Okay, so, welcome to the final episode of Dungeons & Dragons Waterdeep Bunny Heist. Oh, the real last final time, episode. Real final episode. Every, last time, everybody had, after making their way to the Vault of Dragons and opening the door using the three keys, including an inebriated Simon, made your way into the vault, finding a series of false doors and eventually finding a real one making your way through. Everybody was trying to find uh, the missing gold, uh, except Mousy caught the uh, glimpse of a very nice fresco. The fresco basically charmed him and prevented him from wanting to leave it. Um, after some uh, initial bargaining, for lack of a better term, Mousy wouldn't budge, and you have all eventually decided to just bust the fresco, which broke the spell. Making your way upstairs, you had see, found several passageways over a 60-foot 60 60 foot, uh, uh, walkways into areas. Finding a couple of false ones, one a trap, one a sort of a thing that gave you a, a boon. Temporary hit points, you made your way to a finding a false stairway in the middle room. Making your way downstairs, you found a large chamber with several alcoves. In an alcove, you found a large pile of gold, probably 50 for 500,000 pieces of uh, of gold. However, you also found a dwarf named Barak Clanghammer. Turns out that uh, he was actually a dragon who was tasked by Neverember to guard the gold. Uh, being able to exist inside of the magical walls, or the walls with the magical ward uh, that keep dragons out, through use of a uh, special staff he had, the walls of Waterdeep itself. The staff he had that let him be in there and was part of the payment for him basically guarding everything. That and a pile of gems. Uh, however, you all convinced him to, well, that it was wrong. It wasn't his money, it wasn't Ever Ember money, and you're going to give it back to the people, and he ultimately agreed. On the way out, however, you were ambushed by a drow who, uh, Jarlaxle, who ended up being the several people you had seen before, using a hat of disguise to disguise himself as Zardoz Zord, who was the giraffe, who was the captain of the Sea Maiden's Fair, of the eye-catcher of the Sea Maiden's Fair, who you had dined with. A fight ensued as he, as another drow came out, and he threw a jar of gelatinous cube, given to him earlier by Rat King. Can't prove Having, it. I can't prove it. Having dispatched that cube and the drow, you made your way back with Renair to the drat to the uh, to the lower vault to see a standoff between Jarlaxle and the dwarf. The dwarf ended up turning into a dragon, and after a quick uh, burst of fire, Jarlaxle tried to run out, being chased upstairs. He was eventually killed by everybody, with the final blow being Mousy. Not the Rat King. Mousy. Not Mousy. <laughs> that was Zark. And with that, everybody had basically uh, finished. Um, I was like, oh, going to let me go to the map of Waterdeep because I figure that will be a uh, appropriate sort of thing. Oop, Pink Flump Theater. So you are currently in the vault itself. Actually, with that, let me let me actually just bring you to the the vault page still. 
Daryl Axel having been fall after having been shot to death, he fell off the walkway to the floor below. And you had all found a sizable amount of uh, magic items on him to, to be brought back. But you all decided to, well, it's time to go alert the authorities. Is there anything you want to do before leaving? No, no, the, uh, the, uh, the crossbow bolt uh, only wounded him. It was the fall that got him, right? Was it? Yeah, it was actually, it was literally the fall. It wasn't hitting the ground. It was while he was falling, the shock of gravity just leaving him killed him. Yeah. He's, he's used to those, uh, that levitate spell. You know, always kicking in. So it was like, oh no. Oh no. Absolutely not. Mousy's fault. Yeah. So you all basically made your way down here. Maybe maybe not Aranax. Clanghammer. But looking at the dead body of Jarlaxle. And I had posted the loot last time. I can post it again. Uh, uh, it, it's I half see. a page up. Uh, okay, I'll make sure it's on the Discord as well. I go, I think we might have killed one of Waterdeep's uh, most powerful crime lords. That's a good thing, isn't it? Depending on how you look at it, um, I I fear the power vacuum that will come after this. Uh, you would know, Rat King, that Jarlaxle wasn't necessarily the major one of the major players in Waterdeep. I mean, it was a major player, being the the Brigand Darth, uh, the the Drow, essentially crime syndicate, but. It's not one of like the controlling factions of the city, just one of the major players of trying to find the uh, Vault of Dragons. Okay, never so there's mind. Probably not gonna be, there's, yeah, there's probably not going to be a power vacuum in Waterdeep itself. I like, make, just make sure he's alive. It's like, yep, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Pick up his hand, it, just pick up his arm and just falls down. Yeah, pick up his arm, check it, pulse. <laughs> Stuff the portable hole in your in your uh, bag of holding, and cause a rift, plain old, plainer rift that everybody gets sucked into. End of game. Oh, okay. <laughs> but is there anything else you would like to do in the? I try on his hat. You do pretty uh, nice try hat. on his hat. Yeah. Uh, pretty nice hat. I did bring over all his items, but I believe you need to attune to it to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, I go, wow, this guy was packing some magic items. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember if my detect magic was still active or not, but if not, I'll it's, it's, just do it again. We'll say we'll it's say up to the end yeah, of this so you can see everything that is magical, just because yeah. I described it last time. So I'll... I'll give everybody the specifics of course of this the proper th proper thing to, to do was um, let the authorities handle this but it's be a shame if all this went into evidence and then it just gets stolen out of the evidence locker Brutrick <laughs> do you have any opinion? <laughs> no Brutrick all the quiet stoic <laughs> Saying no, officer. Um, Jaraxel was in his underpants when he got here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, the um, 
Uh, without using I, I, uh, identify, I won't be able to find out what exactly everything is, but he, uh, he will point out that uh, the hat, uh, bracer, cloak, uh, eye patch, and ring are, um, uh, and the sword. Um, and the web, and the portable yeah. hole. <laughs> so yeah, you you would be able to tell... Yeah, where's the, I thought I brought the portable hole in. I must have missed it. Well, I, well, I think and adventurous the rules... Yeah. I, I say be... this is adventuring rules. Um, we found this in a dungeon. Um, this stuff is ours. I agree with you entirely. Yeah. So you're able to take pretty much whatever you want. We can divvy that up later. Um, you basically get everything except the, the feather, which he used to summon and I think is a one-time use. See, it's a one oh, day. No, it can, it can be. It does come back after seven days, so you do find the feather as well. There you go. You can immediately see that the rapier and leather armor are not magical, but they are sh they are very uh, well made things. So you have a, there's a plus three um, rapier and a plus three plus three rapier and let's stop doing that plus three uh, leather armor. Yeah, I'll go into wreck. You know, <laughs> see. Uh, but uh, I'll point out that the things are magical, but I I don't know what exactly each one does. Yeah. But um, uh, I I think there's actually a, a law somewhere about um, uh, essentially um, uh, I I found I killed it, so it's mine. Uh, essentially. That's the most sense you've made this whole time. Bertrick turns to you. Geez, Simon, is that where you got your nice hat? <laughs> When you killed a man? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, All right, I just so, thought based on what you said. Okay. So we're thinking... Go to the authorities. About the whereabouts of the vault. And the, uh, and the dragons. But not necessarily the dragon. That's fair. Yeah, um, best not to mention to people uh, the uh, identity of the of the dwarf. Uh, I don't think that anybody in uh, or uh, I, I I don't that anyone in Waterdeep uh, would be happy knowing that there was a dragon inside the town, and not being uh, uh, ejected from it like they should be. I want to use my uh, a paper bird. To, uh, to contact whoever I need to. Okay. So you just send that to the authorities. Um, yeah. So you make your way out with everything in tow with the several... You had you were given two or three coins that have... Uh, most likely have a uh, sort of ID number on them. Um, to be able to basically... A DB, Cooper, a DB Cooper type thing. Um, make your way out setting this thing. Uh, eventually, the authorities do come and we will make this uh we'll do this story time rather than uh playing it out loud you are all basically describe describe what you are but you all arrest again because you were you did break out of jail uh renair as well since you were with that after some time in jail renair renair was most likely t was was brought into question he was explaining everything as well as people were taking the uh the coins that you were given to um 
let me put in some better music, actually. Where's the Nora procedural? There it is. You basically give the coin so they can go check this out. It's obviously going to take time. After, you know, an hour or two, uh, the five of you are promptly released. Oh, I say promptly, but five of you are released. Making your way out. Um, you are eventually come across waiting for you just outside. Your good friend Trench, Vincent Trench, as well as three strip. Yay! Brutrick's here! Brutrick, we already killed you, I'm sorry. I'm here from the great beyond. <laughs> so, Is it really that great? <laughs> <laughs> so just quick catch you up, you basically all collected Charlaxle's loot, um, uh, and made your way made your way outside, contacted who you needed to contact, were basically arrested for breaking out of jail, sort of, um, as this was all explained by Renair, by the the marked gold that you had, uh, the coins that you had, and uh, seemingly some more, as you were all um, you were all uh, meet up with who I was saying, yeah, well, <laughs> got out of jail and were met waiting for you was Vincent Trench, Friendly Neighborhood, Private Eye, as well as Three Tiger Strings, Man. the Bard. <laughs> Goes up to Sharptooth and just sort of like is uh, just looking, just strumming a tune on his things like, I knew you would need my help one day and, uh, well, looks like it was today. And he just... Like, what? What the heck are you talking about? What are you doing here? I learned that from watching you. <laughs> well, I was told by uh, Renair over here and followed up with uh, Mr. Trench here about, well, what was sort of going on. Renair turns out, yes, I, uh, uh, when you needed the ale, I thought it might be better if instead of going all the way back to your place, I uh, stopped at the yawning portal and sort of had a little bit of a back up just in case three string kind of turns is continues saying yes uh thanks to your help with uh bonnie and company uh we decided that uh, uh you are on our good side and we definitely wanted to, to help you out as he flashes a pin underneath a, a like a lapel pin underneath his a cloak or something of the harpers one of the factions the good factions in the Forgotten Realms in Waterdeep. Wait, three strings have that? Three strings? Yep, had that. Wait, you some you some sort of undercover you do base work on the side? I don't get it. What's going on? It's not really undercover. I'm just I'm part of the Harpers keeping you know, they need people who can keep their ear to the to the to the city it's i mean not really a big deal i'm not like some sort of super secret spy just contact when they need information and when need help i Bonnie, never would have guessed anything that cool would have came out of you ever uh, in a million years forever never ever 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 <laughs> he kind of he kind of says uh yeah it's you know what it is acting Acting. Acting. You were acting as a huge nobody very well. 
kind of kind of like gives you a, a sort of a, a nod in a like, sharp you know is what? so genuine in this like it's yeah. like mind's blown like i can't believe how well you were so <laughs> insignificant yeah, it he was gives you like a, an, an approving sort of like nod like like takes it as a compliment whether or not he's actually acting as the how much of he is acting to be a nobody is well needs to be seen uh, so I was able to at least get some some backup uh, here. We had a couple other agents be able to uh, uh, get to your location if necessary, but looks like you handled everything for that was needed. It took us a little bit to get everything out of jail, uh, get you get you all out of jail. Um, yeah. So after you helped Bonnie and a group of uh, uh, well. Her group. So, the, so Harpers you're new. Had a, the Harpers had a uh, well, a, a way to thank you. Uh, new as in yes, uh, we were Bonnie, Bonnie, kind of like finger, finger quotes. Uh, she was basically part of the group of doppelgangers that live in the city. Uh, she herself, they themselves, were not. Um, distrustworthy or or dangerous. Uh, the rest of the group, we were unsure. We did find that one of their group was working for the Castle Lanterns. She was keeping tabs on that. I believe you uh, you met that one. Did the you? windmill place? I forget. I. This was the one that you had. Um, had grabbed oh, the thing and was running away from yeah yeah he's the one that got shot by the drow yeah everything, everything happened so fast it just all blurs together right no completely understand take things slow for sharp tooth low but, in rhythmic with a nice groove kind of so so you were saying like bonnie was kind of like working undercover too to keep an eye on on this guy not necessarily working undercover as much as just giving us more some information. So not necessarily Absolutely. keeping track of of them as much as just we the Harpers were just making sure that the doppelgangers were not going to cause any problems in the city. And most of them weren't. Turns out one of them was. They're all mostly just goes. Mostly just goes. Uh, wow, she is so cool. She is. They're currently uh we've taken it under their uh our wing to our responsibility to sort of hide them a little more, keeping them on the down low for now. But rest assured that the the rest of them seem to be all in the up and up. It's just that one that has had an ulterior motive. As for the castle lanterns, I don't know what we can do about them. Maybe nothing. Maybe we'll just have to keep tabs on them. In any case, kept the stone of galore, I hear. Looking over, over trench. trench. From them and then found the uh, the entire vault and the missing dragons. Quite amazing from four tavern owners. With nothing really spectacular going on otherwise. <laughs> Do I still oh, have boy. it? Do you still have what? Do I still have the stone? Yes, you do. You are still attuned to it. 
What's a stone's purpose now that it's been fulfilled? Um, uh, apart from uh, snuffing out uh, 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 candles, I'm not really sure what. I mean, like, was it designed specifically for the vault, or could it be used to gain uh, insight on other other things? Well, I, I think it was essentially like a um, uh, a repository of information, but the main information that it contained, as far as I'm aware, was how to open the vault. Maybe it'll make a nice centerpiece for the uh, in the tavern. Nice talking point. Yes. Right so. next to that troll skull, troll skull, and that giant knife. Yeah. Which which are on opposite ends of the bar. <laughs> so they're really right next to each other. I, I wonder if I can get it to record uh, the entirety of a library, perhaps. Hey. Yeah. Have an audio book. A book that just reads out to you. Indeed. A book on stone. Then, then more than one person can read the book at the same time. And people that don't know words also can read. Yes, like um, uh, yes, like um, uh, people like that. If we can get celebrities to do the recording, so more people will listen. Um, I need, I, I need I, a goblin right here. My, my voice. Seven. I'm going to echo, by the way. Sorry. Right, I'm not I, sure. I think, I think it was your bun. It was probably you. But go ahead, bun. No, it's fine. So, um, with this, the next sort of things that happen with your group as you're doing this, you are given a meeting with the open lord of Waterdeep, um, Larel Silverhand. And meeting with her, you she's basically... Willing to let you keep a portion of the treasure. That's really nice of her. Before or after the execution? She pardons all of you, as you didn't actually kill the doppelganger, and had the... Not really sure what was... They they have your... They trust you on what you basically tell them afterwards about the Krauhans, if anything. Um... It turns out that Lord Grailhund was uh, was found in the coming days is found uh, uh, dead somewhere in the city with the the person uh, Erstil, who was the one who basically kidnapped him, uh, nowhere to be found. I feel like we should have followed up on that. The um, Mount that you're given, however, is one tenth of the treasure, fifty thousand gold pieces. <laughs> Among the four of you, so that's fifteen of uh, twelve, twelve hundred, twelve thousand five hundred each. Holy In due time, God. however, not immediate. They have to catalog everything, and get about, and they are basically give you a reward after that. But word does get around that you will be getting a significant sum of money. Uh-oh, here comes the groupies. 
So a couple things happen between you being incarcerated and the, at this point. So apologies for going in a little out of order as I've sort of just wrote notes down of as they came to me and they are not in order either. But the I am adding that fair. to my goal total. Go for it. Uh, the Sea Maiden's Fair uh, set off while you were incarcerated. They left the harbor. Knows where they went to? Probably somebody does, but just left. So that was Jarlaxle's three boats. And, and the and the poor Bron bronze dragon will never know um, the mysteries of the ship. It might might have been able to talk to somebody. Who knows? But as far as you know, yep, uh, Zelifarn did not find out what was what was under the ship. Nor do you. Mystery forever. Uh, your your incoming money, your your upcoming reward does generate a lot of say, publicity for the tavern and uh, as well as people that you've known just kind of want money. Uh, Volo comes up uh, to you at one point. It's like, ah, hello, everyone. I'm glad that you were able to uh, basically solve all the problems here. And it was my tavern that, that started it all, which is why I kind of came to you for help. I kind of want a significant sum of money to... Well, fund my next book. An expedition that will inspire a future book. And I'll, I'll give you all special mention in said uh, my, my magnum opus. Really? Yes. Front page. Uh, uh, well, after the index and the, the dedication and the and the title page and the foreword and yeah, just significantly in the front of the book. I'm sure everybody looks as ecstatic as as Simon does. Simon's <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, my name in a book, you say? <laughs> I, I was kind of. I need a uh, well, yeah, down to business uh, about. Oh, I think five thousand gold pieces would fund the expedition. You don't have to. You don't have to agree with it now. Take some time to think of it. I can come back. Oh, it looks looks at a, at a, like a pocket watch. Uh, it's in the morning, perhaps. How much money did he not pay us when when he was said he was going to pay us, and then he gave us a rundown <laughs> in instead? You were promised a hundred gold each, in addition to the ten gold each that you were given. You were got you got that initial forty, so you were owed four hundred by him. Um, I, I'm not sure, Volo. Uh, I think, I think I'm gonna think about that overnight. Uh, uh, well, it sounds good. It, uh, I'll be sure to come back tomorrow with notes about where I plan to go and what I expect to, uh, thing, but, uh, uh, to, to write about. Um, but I, I, I have every, every, uh, uh, oh, what's the word? Um, I'm sure you'll do the right thing. Uh, uh good, so long, everybody. And just runs off <laughs> okay goodbye have a great night <laughs> he runs off like, like he's scared <laughs> to be fair I, I ran out of things to say and needed to get out of the situation <laughs> see you tomorrow I, I, think, I, I think Simon like say Simon um, you know what I bet you would make a excellent um, assistant to Mr. Volo uh, assistant yeah. Uh, to, Someone as prestigious as him. 
You can take his notes. Um, he'd be great at it. I, I, I am rather skilled in shorthand. You don't Why get to visit. Um, you be able to visit new and dangerous places. Mostly new places. Not so That's much dangerous. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's hope not. Why? Why don't you just make your own book? I don't. Just make your own stuff. Don't worry about like what other people's is doing. Oh well. What could I possibly write a book about? I don't know. Is there a book you wish existed, but it doesn't? So now you have to make it yourself. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm just. I just came up with this. Top of my head. Um, how about call it Waterdeep Dragon Heist? It could be about our adventures. But um, when was there a heist? Let's forget about the title. It just sounds nice to draw people in. Yeah, it's it's uh, dramatic. Ah, oh, a, a, a metaphor. I see. It'll be a good entry-level story for people ages one to five. <laughs> or people who just maybe have an interest in these type of stories, but just aren't show, sure how to get started. <laughs> it's so easy for beginners. I wish I could give you inspiration for the next game we all play. <laughs> <laughs> um, you do get a knock at the door, however, while one of the... Uh, in the following day or two after Volo's left. No, not you, kitty. It's my cat. Notice that. <laughs> it is good old friend Conan the Librarian. <gasps> oh, hello, He's everybody. Back. Yes, welcome, Simon. I'm so glad to hear about uh, that you were safe and that you managed to, sh to, to save the... I, I, I guess you didn't shave the city. You shaved the gold? I don't know. That's kind of weird. I... Either way, I want to come over and give you my congratulations, and, uh, well, maybe talk about a business opportunity. Remember that idea I had a couple couple years ago in in uh, in library class? Uh, which one? The one where, well, I wanted to start a library, but like a mobile library. We get little boxes, uh, and we put them around the city, and we put little, like, book old books in there and then anybody can come and like take a book and read it or they can drop off books they don't want anymore and it's just like just like a little little uh drop off uh take a penny take a dragon leave a dragon take a copper leave a copper but with books book. uh uh yes uh where um uh, the knowledge would come to you <laughs> oh yes that was the motto that's right you came up with the motto i i like that and remember i came up with the name red box r-e-a-d-b-o-x you read uh, box. Yes. <laughs> no, red box. It, it, it's past cash. But doesn't it happen in the future? I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it will, but it's going to be like, we'll have red box? Because I guess we will have red boxes. I can't has red box. Who's <laughs> born comes over. <laughs> 
Well, either way, I thought maybe this would be a good opportunity to actually start that up and just be a way to get people to read, uh, like, all the used books that, that uh, they like having a little candle keep in a box. I, I do quite like the idea. Uh, I, I, I look forward to looking over the financial looks of uh, how much it, it, it would require. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I, start, I actually started on that last night, but I want to make sure I get your blessing first before we actually just start planning that, um, whether or not you're committed or not. But I, 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 I'm I going to get started on that tonight. That is my homework. Uh, congratulations, everybody. I'm glad to see you all safe. And uh, looks over at Leaf. Did, did I ever know you had a ghost bartender? I don't think I ever knew that. Well, you do now. Tell your friends. Yeah. I'm going to do that. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye. People are just... Everybody's going to keep all of their money except for Simon, who's going to be bled dry by everybody. <laughs> There's so many book-oriented uh, business ventures that are going on right now. Well, I think I might contact Volo and say um, I get publishing rights. That's good. Maybe I'll invest in a. Maybe I'll invest in like um. Upgrade from a broadsheet to like a publishing, yeah. thing for uh, for, for books. With that, uh, Zort comes downstairs. Hey everybody! I'm glad to see you back. I want to tell you about this new thing I I came up with while you were gone. It's it's called bumper pool. I put bumpers on the billiards table and I I rolled the balls into it and they bounced off. I think it's going to be like the next big thing. Anybody want to play? Ruchik is thoroughly excited on this and he wants to see <laughs> how much they bounce off the bumpers. <laughs> you and oh. you and Zort spend some time. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I I'd, I'd like to go and and just like so how much does it bounce off the side when it like hits it? He, he put up, like, a really, like, like flubbery sort of bumper that he found, and it, it gives a... type thing, and so it does, it does bounce, you know, probably more than you'd want if you turned this into an actual sport. Yeah. But... It was shedding from the ooze cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if it's, like, you know, on the Sonic level, where it's, a, uh, uh, like, it turns into a... Springs. <laughs> it's like, it just shoots off, and I'm like, oh, that's so dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get some uh, some uh, tavern music? Oh, I had, I had switched over to the less cheery music, but I can go back to that. Yeah, this is happy times now. There we Let's go. Yeah. So your your business does eventually become profitable again as the the street opens up back up and after the you know the horrible fireball, and you have plenty of free advertising. With that, uh, what would everybody? basically want to essentially their characters to do with their share of the reward. Alright, so Brutrick is bad at math and likes to help too much. So, if nobody stops him, he's gonna send half of it to his monastery and then he'll use a bunch of stuff to help rebuild that explosion area on the side. Um... Okay. He's going to give probably like a couple hundred to Nim because he still feels really bad about his friend being dead. <laughs> and um, I think I th okay. think that's that's mostly what it would be. But it, um, 
And because Volo asked for help and he still likes helping, uh, he would probably help Simon if Simon says yes and they would kind of like split it a bit. Okay. So, through Trick, you essentially, you essentially do that. You uh, spend a good portion of your money. Half of it, as you said, goes to the monastery. And this is going to keep the monastery funded for a couple of years, probably. It is a lot of money even for... You know, for something your monastery, I assume, is not very uh, materialistic in a sense. So this is going to keep repairs, um, probably like a Zen garden type thing. Keep it, keep everything up, 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 uh, up, kept and very nice and very uh, have good longevity. The money you spend to help rebuild the nearby area, even though the house, or the building across the street was empty. Uh, you know, it was rebuilt essentially enough to just not collapse but it was otherwise neglected you basically just made that nice as well made everything matching so let's make this not look run down so you know it's a nice place that because you have to look at it every day out your window who owns nice. that building uh no, nobody no, no, it's either the city or just somebody who owns property in the, in the so then city. maybe uh it'd be neat if brutrick rebuilt it and then kind of made like a little temple slash training area okay yeah, that's good. That's you, you, yeah. you basically either purchase or rent the place, mm-hmm. and or like buy it like a condo or something, and, and you fix it, it up. And it's, it's your, your little, little monastery away from home. Yeah, yeah. neighborhood revitalization. <laughs> um, keep kids off the street. Yeah, you yeah, turn it into a little community center. You send some. Uh, what was the what was the third one you said? Uh, it was for Nim, and I. Yeah, uh, that's right. So yeah. you're not able to directly give Nim the money as it's not really a thing. But what you end up doing is just funding projects and things for him to build. And you basically donate uh, to the temple under the condition that a good portion of it goes to Nim and letting him be letting them be a little more creative and free in a sense. They're not able to just go around the city and leave the temple grounds, uh, but they are able to just continue their work with uh, with better tools and under better supervision. Nice. And you send a couple of, you send a nice box of very fine glassware to Durnan at the Yawning Port. You bet. <laughs> but it's uh, all branded as a Troll Skull Tavern. It has a logo on it. <laughs> You found some that were, it's basically like Leaf's Whiskey rather than Troll Skull Towers. So you, you got those little branding box glasses on there. So a little extra advertising. Yeah, and well, a little... Maybe yeah. we, well, well, do you think we should remain the exclusive um, tavern that sells Leaf's Whiskey? Or do you think maybe we should uh, should sell it to various other places, Waterdeep, like the Yawning Portal? Uh, it depends on how, uh, how much it could be mass produced. Yes, yeah, I was learning how to make it too. <laughs> it is one of those sort of things that has like a, a small business charm to it, like a family recipe type thing. Sure. Yeah. And while you could you could mass produce it, and Leaf does seem to be okay with that idea, you ultimately we'll say that you ultimately decide together as a group of like, no, let's keep this. This is special. Leaf's brand, the only place in Waterdeep that you can get it. But with that, let's let's go into Mousy. What would you like to do with uh, as follow up with your reward and, and the following days? Um, 
even though I know he's kind of a kook, kind of like the idea of um of helping Volo, um, you know, with his next exposition. Like I said, like kind of work out like publishing rights. And we'll we'll say that you can easily do that. That you you trade, um, you do secure the at least the initial publishing rights, um, even with the small operation that you currently have. You're able to do. Sure. Here, minus five thousand. Um, but otherwise, I think I would just invest in the tavern and my printing company. You do start up a printing company. Uh, you do get a better machine, a better things, and you need people to work uh, for it. Um, and you do find uh, uh, somebody does answer an ad in your broadsheet as a uh, printer slash reporter. Um, a young girl, uh, not young, a young woman girl, uh, that seems to have a knack for writing and printing. up to you if you want to hire it, or not. Well, does her name start with a B? Name does start with a B. Beatrice. And with an Ani? Okay. No, name is Beatrice. You unfortunately don't see Bonnie in the days that come. Um, however, you do come to the understanding that Bonnie is not a human. Bonnie is a doppelganger. And the original oh, Bonnie... Yeah, but... Well, yeah, okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was about to say, like, I've made it clear Mostly doesn't really care. Yeah, no, it's not that, uh, but you understand, and while you don't care, it's that it also sort of meant that what you come to terms with is that the original Bonnie, be it somebody from outside of Waterdeep that you have never met, was disposed of by this doppelganger who they were, why they were disposed. They could have been a bad person. They are definitely not the Bonnie you know. Um, however, I was you know, hoping it, it was a little, little less nefarious. It's, I mean, that's the thing. It's not necessarily nefarious, but this is how doppelgangers doppelgang, yeah. unfortunately. You know, they could have just been a... They, the original Bonnie could have just been a bad person because this Bonnie was a more, you know trustworthy source, as the Harpers and, and Three Strings pointed out. She's not gone forever. You'll, you'll mousy cross paths with her again in the we future. We will meet again. Meet again. But you think maybe move on from the the uh, sort of puppy loves type type uh, crush from afar type thing. But you always well, have a special place. You still always if, have a special if, if, place in your heart. If you insist. <laughs> uh, Sharptooth, what would you like to do with your share of the money? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, you gamble it all the way the next day. No. <laughs> I'm thinking potentially that it opens up a recording studio. Ooh, I like that. And then gets to record all those songs that no one would let him, let him, uh, like, it's like, hey, I got this great idea. And everyone's like, no. And, uh, and releases his own album, I guess? I don't know how this works. It's like, you are, really... we'll, we'll say that you are able to open up your own sort of recording studio in some sort of way. It's, you, you know, produce music. Maybe it's not like a traditional 
recording studios like that, but you are able to produce maybe sheet music that others play. You are able to um, get your name out. You do start booking concerts again, again sort of sure. as a, as a rival tour. Uh, hire an artificer to uh, make wondrous items of recordings, maybe? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or a maybe couple items that actually do that. But yeah, you are able rock. to... Yeah, go ahead. I was joking, is that rock? They could just recite back. There, there's uh, a, there is a magic item that does that. It's not the stone itself, but there's another magic item that does that. Um, but in any case, you are able to sort of become a little bit more popular, sort of regain a little bit of that glory that that you unbeknownstly, unknown to Sharptooth had lost. Because never really like admitted to that and never really thought of thought of themselves like that. But it's just like old times now. I think and some of it I think you just throw into his heaps. Um because yep. I know I think I got like four hundred gold worth of like gems at one point and literally just threw it into his heaps. <laughs> just so throw it that... get your own thing. <laughs> and so, it's perfectly protected from thieves and stuff because nobody wants to go near it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simon. What do you do with the? Um, at one th uh, for uh, what Bertrick was doing, um, he he will end up doing the uh, the accounting of of basically making sure um, it, what's necessary to um, uh, so he doesn't basically just hand over all of his money and assume that that was what was needed uh, to repair stuff. Um, he'll probably end uh, he. Uh, will be persuaded by the rest, most likely, to not just completely um, finance um, uh, Volo entirely, but he will do at least um, uh, like twenty percent of what he asked for uh, uh, in a um, in an agreement for um, maybe a um, uh, in an uh, like a. Uh, a first edition copy of the of the uh, the final book and maybe a um uh, a, a consideration uh, within the forward. Okay. So you 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 managed to, in, in addition to doing the the financial work to make sure everything is you know up to up to snuff, nothing nefarious or sneaky going on. Uh, you do also manage to secure more recognition for yourself as well as all of the the uh, your friends. And, and the bar getting, you know, additional sort of being immortalized in one of Volo's books. In the in the days that come, however, do you ever unattune from the stone of Galore? Uh, no, he will basically uh, study it a bit and find out uh, what its potentials are. If he if it contained any knowledges other than uh, the vault um, and if he can figure out how to get it to stop turning off all the lights in the tavern. <laughs> That's true, yeah. You, you do like not being able to get sick anymore, because uh, that was, uh, you were immune to all disease. Um, but uh, talking to you, you do find that it is an aboleth, and uh, it is... A as, you've as you already know, it's a, uh, a sentient magic item. Uh, that was once an Aboleth. It knows a lot of information. It can also sort of knows your deepest desires. I don't know. 
and as and you I, communicate telepathically with it. It, it hungers for information. And eventually just sort of says, no, no, no. It's been fun, Simon, but I think we need to, I think you need to pass me on to somebody else. I don't know how to stay here too long. Immediately, he would be very hesitant to keep it once he found out what, what it used to be, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like having a beholder in your pocket. What do you decide to do with it? Um, if it wants knowledge, uh, I will uh, send it back to, um, uh, to Candlekeep, uh, along with... Uh, um, any, uh, at some point he'll probably, um, also try to get a, um, a, like one of the things that he needed to do for like his, um, apprenticeship was to like, mm-hmm. uh, find rare books to send back, uh, to them, uh, so he can return and he'll basically, um, send at least, uh, one of those requirements, uh, along with this, uh, the stone so they can study it, maybe learn from it and, uh, if it likes knowledge, then the largest library in the world uh, will be where it can get it. This is true. So you do you do set it off. It does promise it, and uh, you do you mentioned it doesn't like being, you know, it's gonna take a while to get the candle keep, but you know, what it's gonna do. However, I need you to make a roll. Please make a this... wisdom saving throw. Is this one of those like you want? Information that have all the information, and then it's like, ah. I just really like how Rock broke up with you. Uh, he, he figured that also um, uh, offering it that much knowledge might might also keep it uh, from uh, from doing anything bad. Mm-hmm. With a seventeen, uh, you give off the sound and unattuned to it as it heads off, and for a brief moment, uh, you go, "Wait, what? What was I doing? What?" Oh, oh, right, the stone, the stone, as you have passed the wisdom save. If you had failed that, uh, you would have lost all memory of the stone being in your possession and all knowledge parted by it. Ah, fun. Not necessarily everything you did while the stone was on your person, just everything about the stone. Right. Um, but you need a 16, you got a 17. In the, in the course of, uh, uh in, in the subject of Aranax, otherwise known as, the dragon, otherwise known as, um, Clanghammer, uh, what his first name was, but the one you met in the vault, he ended up afterwards sort of going, no, wait, what did I write down? Yes, that's right. So, he purchased the Pink Flump Theater using not the money that was kept that was embezzled, however, the gems that he was given as reward, as those are untraceable and probably not even embezzled in the first place. Or if they were, not, can't really prove that they were the cities, not ever ever himself. The gems that were his food. He uses this so he can basically just stay underground in the vault. The upstairs is basically run uh, by Wishes, the fairy dragon. To uh, his sort of uh, what he prefers, as you recall, he did not like the the person who owned the place. She now sweeps the floor. Dra- <laughs> she probably sleeps. Does the dragon eat him? No, the dragon did not eat him. Oh. However, Aranox gave used some of the some of the um, 
treasure, as well as the barking box that Simon promised, uh, to purchase, to trade it in some of the gems for legitimate gold, and to give wishes a nice little tiny pile of gold and gems to be his hoard. Starting hoard. Baby's first hoard. <laughs> Baby's first hoard. And after that, in the weeks that come, you you are very famous and somewhat wealthy now. <laughs> you, various strangers, various important people in the city, just come looking for favors or business work, donations and whatnot for the four of you while you are here. More money, more problems. More money, more problems. But... The money is eventually given back to the city and distributed properly, as best as a government can do with recovered money. It may not go directly to the people it was stolen, but it is going back to the good of the city itself. And with that, we all have finished. Waterdeep Bunny Heist. Yay. As I'm not going to give you the cliffhanger to... That uh, that basically says on to the Undermountain because we're not going to do the yeah. Undermountain. <laughs> well, I did have a little ending for Mousy. Yes, if you have any other um, any other particular uh, endings, please please uh, go ahead. So Mousy I think he has um, more responsibilities. Partially running the tavern is uh, printing business is growing. That he um, hasn't really gone out as Rat King like really at all since all this has happened um, but after a while he kind of like it's like I, I don't want to just go on the streets and like fight crime right now like I, I feel like an adventure and he's thinking about this while at the yawning portal one night and um, it just randomly a group of adventurers are about to head down into the Undermountain through the, the portal in the middle of the tavern. And uh, just on a whim, he uh, yells over him, says, hey, you guys need a fifth? And uh, they're like, yeah, sure, come on, little guy. And uh, he dons his plus three armor, his crossbow, and he goes, it's like, I don't know what he says. It's time for an adventure. <laughs> and he He's like, it's time for an adventure. <clears throat> no, I don't need the I don't need the wrecking voice anymore. It's time for an yeah. adventure. <laughs> it's like And um he goes and has a proper adventure. Well like he goes and has a adventure down in the Undermountain. <laughs> Just Does think of the story it'll be. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody else have any closure they wish for their characters? Uh, I think Brutrick would send uh, a letter to his uh, monastery that he's probably never going to go back because there's just so many people that he's kind of built friendships with, even though one of them literally just disappeared into the yawning portal. Um, oh, he'll, he'll be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I'm sure. I'm going to bring his corpse back. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, little buddy. Um, so I think he's he's very much like this is where he needs to be for now. It's like maybe if something changes in his life that he would go back to the monastery, but um, and he'll still keep in contact with his letters and, 
and things, but it's he doesn't feel like he needs to return anymore because he's created a home here. I imagine he's like the bartender, basically. Like, serving the drinks. Yeah, yeah. Finally, we learned how to not drop class. Leaf's been giving you lessons. Uh, (laughs) Also, you you probably sent enough money that they're not going to need anything for at least a decade. (laughs) And so there's not really anything that, even if you did return, there was nothing that you could really do to help further. But there's so much more help that you could do here. I'm going to help everyone. Simon or Sharptooth, do you have any particular closure that you wish for your characters? Uh, if not, it's okay. Uh, apart from most likely, at some point, Simon's probably going to be kidnapped for ransom. Um, I'm not really sure what else to uh, to suggest. For, oh, you you okay. become a brand new Floon Blagmar as you are kidnapped for mistaken identity. Yeah, Simon the Sorcerer. <laughs> and Sharptooth, is there anything you, you become... do have? Uh, I th- very much like a go with the flow guy. Probably like just wander into someone else's life and do something ridiculous. That's sort of my, my goal for him. I guess it, he he did what he always wanted to do. He wanted to make his own album his way. You and, and uh, Springs make a, uh, a duet together as sort of like a friendly rivalry sort of you know what let's like dueling pianos let's, yeah like do do a thing like that together you sort of, sort of oh. like, like yeah, I, I, I got an idea uh at some point because of your new fame uh your previous um uh partner from back in uh in the uh, your original glory days comes back and tries to uh, to offer a um uh like a uh, a collaboration uh, so that uh, now that you're you've hit big again, and then you get to ceremoniously say no, and he does. Gets to make his own line of guitars. One second. The album flops. <laughs> oh yeah, can you roll to see how your album does? Yeah, let's let's do, go ahead and make a uh, performance check with advantage because, because... advertising. It's not the best album. It may have. It may not make the top ten, but it is significantly. It is up. Oh, it is significantly <laughs> on the like on the. It's it's like it's like a sleeper hit. It's like oh, this is kind of like the the stuff I used to listen to when I was younger. That uh, that one band with that goblin, and then people are just like, this is actually pretty, pretty good. good. No, no, no. It, it's not a smash hit. Uh, it's, a, it's a cult classic. By that I mean you end up developing a cult from it. <laughs> nice. All hail the base. Drop the base. No. Uh, JPEG. Yeah, one of those massive weird guitars. <laughs> All shall really feel his wrath. Bass Wrath. <laughs> you, got, you got three strings, I got three guitars. <laughs> there's a harp on the back end of it, too. That's uh, what all the strings in the middle are. There's there's a video of the guy actually playing it. It sounds like video game uh, soundtrack music. That's amazing. Well, there's guitars like Zoro uses swords. 
<laughs> and with that, I believe we've come to an end, official end of our adventure. Congratulations, everybody. Thank you for sticking through this song. I hope everybody had fun and was very satisfied with most, if not all, of what their characters did. Yeah, I'm I'm excited because, again, it's not my first um, game like this, mm-hmm. but it's specifically first D&D. And, uh, yeah, it was very fun. Very good oh. balance between lighthearted and intensity. Oh, yeah. Um, which was really fun. Admittingly... Well, with that... But well, with that, let's uh, go directly into uh, our podcast yeah. about the, uh, about the adventure. Oh, uh, yeah. I just uh, also, um, like, uh, like you know, uh, I have been playing D&D and RPGs since first edition, back with the original Redbox. Oh, and man. this is actually the first um, uh, written uh, a, a full campaign uh, that I actually played to completion. Uh, with oh, no. like the camp uh, with the group disbanding or something. That's great, and it is it is a short campaign it's for four to five levels, but uh, no, it's still great. We got what twenty yeah, twenty some odd sessions in that. I'm sorry, Joey, you should probably do your normal podcast <laughs> introduction thing. And um, I guess you weren't technically part of the entire Dragon of Ice Fire Peak, so this will be your first like all the way through. Yeah, well, plus it it's getting continuations. So uh, and t- until the uh, uh, the end coming up. Uh, I, I don't really oh, yeah. technically consider that the end of the campaign. Um, technically, it's it, it's it's um, Dragon Vice Park Peak. But <laughs> hello and welcome to the Legendary Frogcast. I am your host Joseph Blanchett, right. and uh, with me, who you know we've been actually talking for about an hour now, yeah. is uh, Mark Strider. Hello. Uh, we got Bun here. Hello. And my uh, first time officially like on the podcast podcast, we got my friends uh, Sam and Steph. Hello, hello. We're from Canada. Yeah. What? No. <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> Surprise, eh? <laughs> yeah. And um, we're doing this like right after we officially conclude our uh, Dungeons and Dragons Waterdeep uh, Dragon Heist game. And we're just going to talk a little bit about um, about the adventure and what we what we felt about it, how we felt about it, and share some feelings, stuff like that. So, if if I may start with the feelings, um, I I want to say this is probably the the best group I've ever DM'd as like an adventure group. Like I've had like I have fun with other friends and things like that and other games I do. And this is I think the first one that had like the perfect balance of role play and gameplay that like hits my my preference. So thank you all for for like having having silly voices, thought out characters, a little bit of backstory, and the ability to know where to move your character during combat. Well, because one thing I one thing I told Sam and stuff, um, like since uh, they're kind of new to D and D in this way, I said, um, "Like this isn't your standard like going to a dungeon where like a, a, a warrior and a paladin and a bard like going on an adventure. Like this is like an urban environment. Um, from what I understand, it takes like we're just kind of normal people for the most part, unless." I know you can you can play it any way you want, but I was thinking it's like 
we're not necessarily adventurers, so let's pick something like unusual that will fit into this um into this uh setting. A uh, ragtag bunch. Yeah. Motley Motley Crew. Motley Crew. Okay. So oh, no, that's just sharp tooth. <laughs> uh, Steph and Sam, like what what kind of characters did you in case like people didn't listen to the call twenty two episodes, um what kind of characters did he make? Uh, so my name is Steph, and I made Brutrick the monk character. He's monk bugbear, uh, because I was originally going to do the the turtle, the tortoise type um, monk because of Kung Fu Panda. But then I found out about bugbears, how long their arms are, and I thought that was so funny. I had to pick that, and it also seemed it was against type because bugbears are more chaotic and mm. aggressive seeming and bullies, and so to make him a really kind of like lazy monk uh, who like compulsively needed to help people while being clumsy. Uh, it just, it just felt like a lot of fun. It was a very good, like yeah. gentle giant sort of feel to it. Andre, the giant type thing. Bugbears are traditionally, you know, the bad guys. Yes. And uh, one thing I know D and D is trying to get away from, um, but you just can't really get away, f- away from it in old adventures is uh that these monster races aren't necessarily always like the bad guys or corrupted by evil. There can be, you know, there can be a, uh, a like a, a a big doofy bugbear who's just really clumsy. And he always wants um, to give it free hugs. <laughs> free hugs. And uh, and Sam um, with like sharp tooth, uh, you decided to. You're saying yeah, yeah, I wanted to be like a rock star. Yeah, so uh, Sam, with Sharp Tooth is uh, I'm learning bass guitar right now, and so I was like, oh, this would be funny if I put that into the character I was doing, and why the goblin is. I also I find that I like drawing just doodling goblins, so it's very much like for the aesthetic. But then I want it to be like old, rundown, just to like a very much a has been because I thought that'd be really fun to play like a very oblivious character. Because there were some it, great lines during the campaign of just sharp tooth just being that that I think I it's going to take a while for me to forget if ever. Because I, I mean sharp tooth. Oh, I was going to say I remember talking to Mark about with the character because how like blunt and oblivious he is. I could progress the game if there's ever like a pause in it or just say very like bluntly like, well I guess we're going to go like just whatever needed to get done without the storyteller having to say it but it seemed very much still in character because that's what the person would do and I thought that was really fun that I could pr- push the game in like a just to get moving again if we like even if Sharptooth was the one that made them stop and talk and go off track <laughs> that I could then redirect it and push us back into playing and it wouldn't feel forced I think Sharptooth like like Brutrick is like the heart of the party just because he's so like lovable but like sharp tooth was my favorite character <laughs> like it, uh, it, it is very hard to make a narcissistic character that is likable and uh you managed yeah. to do so yeah and, and, like i love how he's just a slob like he just sleeps in a pile of trash in his room trash. <laughs> um trash and, and, like him <laughs> Yeah, like since he's like not just a bard, he's like, oh yeah, I'm like a hair metal bard. Uh, we were able to put like a lot of cool stuff, like pyrotechnics when you attack, like when you do a a thunder wave, it's like you slide and you do your electric guitar and like, 
and like um, flavoring up the spells to to be character appropriate. It's really nice. Also, seeing Martin. somebody use pyrotechnics is also great. Because <laughs> Martin yeah. found that audio clip. It was just like a guitar shred. So whenever Sharptooth used uh, the thunder wave or any of the guitar, yeah. <laughs> It was just yeah, a stairway uh, to heaven. <laughs> uh, so, Bun, what was um, your inspiration behind Simon? Like, what kind, what kind of character do you want to make? Um, I, I've actually played uh, like uh, prototypes of the character uh, previously in um, uh, more homebrew se- sessions, where it, uh, essentially it, uh, the the idea is just. Uh, a uh, a bookish wizard that has absolutely no um, no in-world experience of any kind whatsoever has basically lived his entire life inside of a library gets kicked outside and now it's like w- what is everything and uh, but at the same time is such a a weak little thing that uh, just trouble seems to summon towards him and uh, uh, I don't know. Just uh, just uh, go into the um, uh, the reading part of a wizard and just um, it, it make it uh, overblown. Mm-hmm. It's and you played him like like playing just like the the nervous nerd character was was uh you made that work really well yeah i in the previous time i try i tried him out um i i think he started the game as a prisoner of somebody who basically just wanted him to uh to like do uh uh i think it was almost literally to do his taxes (laughs) (laughs) just like uh, do all the uh, like do accounting and uh like find i all like uh be be the person's indentured major domo (laughs) <laughs> one thing that i thought was really it, interesting about simon was that uh you purposely made him so you'd want us to cut him off and we didn't know that for a long time so we just kind of let you keep talking and then eventually you told us like no no no, no i want you to cut cut me off and because we were all being too polite and then so as soon as we knew that we all started cutting you off a lot more and it felt a little bit more like what you intended with that yeah. character yeah, because he, he he was he um he was probably the smarts or the um it made like um uh, uh the logic of, of the party, but he is so meek and uh that the moment anybody or the moment he tries to say anything, nobody will notice and they'll just talk as if he never said anything. Um, it happened many times. It did. And Joey, since you're the you're the host, uh, I guess I will say, uh, who did you play? I played uh, the ranger, Mousy Brown. He's a halfling, um, but he also had a alter ego of uh, a vigilante known as the Rat King. Um, he just dressed up, dressed up like a giant rat and uh, fought crime in the city in his spare time. Um, and like I mentioned before, like, I knew this was going to be an urban setting in like one of Forgotten Realms, like big cities. And uh, being a big superhero fan, I was like, "Oh, maybe we should play like a like a Daredevil or like a Batman type, you know, who um, who has like a alter ego." Um, and like 
like an unassuming alter ego and like who um what's more unassuming than the most generic looking um halfling character with curly brown hair and big bushy eyebrows um and i was just looking through the uh this is before i had the idea of the rat king but i was just looking through the ranger um subclasses and there was that one called a swarm keeper who um could summon uh in the book it's like fake creatures and it can be basically anything you want and i was like so the big city you know you no know, rats in the sewer and all that stuff um and i just came up with the idea with the of the rat king and like i think ninja turtles had a had a villain kind of like that called the rat king mm-hmm. and um and a- actual rat I think that's actually called a rat. Like actual rat kings were were like yeah be yeah people uh, who could control rat rats. kings. No, no, well, well, rat king. This is gross. Um, is rats were so packly, so densely packed in the sewers of old like, just you know whatever that all the all the grime and and crap would just. Um, Get them all stuck together, like their rats would. Their uh, their their tails would get entangled, and this uh this mass Ooh. of rats would just run around and around the sewers, and they, and they call it the um a rat king. Oh, okay. Oh, isn't nature so, wonderful? <laughs> well, man-made nature. Um, is 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 Mousy just just a like a a whole bunch of rats in a <laughs> bunch of rats. Um, I, I was thinking when I first made him, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should talk to Mark about making him a were-rat. Um, but I, I just, just decided not to. Um, so, so that's where Mousy comes from. Um, and, uh... Well, that, see, that's actually a thing, because there are were-rats in the, in the, in the game, and I, you did come across one of them, and no other opportunities came up where we, for me to introduce them, uh, in a case, or... Uh, or any of the the sort of things we did in chapter four, you didn't come across any other uh, other were rats, which would have been um, I wasn't necessarily planning on trying to do this, but it was like, oh, this would be very interesting. Maybe they they idolize the Rat King as their superhero. Like you're fighting for rat justice or something like that. But for rats um, everywhere, for rats everywhere, but never quite came up, and I didn't get to didn't get to try and roll with with how that would go. Um, I guess so, um... I should say that. Uh, I also played a character. All of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I played a character as as a PC uh, when Joey took over for uh, a thing in, in level over level three. Uh, he DM'd, so I had brought in my character, which was going to be an old friend of Simon's, uh, uh, Conan the Librarian. Um, he's a standby character that I have where he's basically a barbarian, as the name complies, implies that he is a librarian, which means I have maxed out intelligence, and at level one, he speaks seven languages. <laughs> um, playing against type, he's got the, he's got the stereotypical Andy Jangerflax nerd voice that I do. Um, uh, and he was just there for a couple sessions, just being a barbarian, which is simple point-and-click interface, where you basically point your weapon at something and then click, i.e. swing, and see if it hits. <laughs> but, and is also sharp to his favorite NPC. <laughs> yeah, when uh, Conan and Simon got together, it was it, it seems like it always you always made a point of it, Simon and Mark, to, like, 
whenever uh, anyone was in shop, but it always seemed to be sharp tooth. And you just <laughs> go on about nothing for sharp tooth. Yep. And I think, I think at one I point I took like a hit of damage, so I'd be unconscious for like the walk home from yeah. the minimizing mansion. Yeah, you did. Uh, it was because uh, I, I rather liked his response for when I, it, nobody was targeted whatsoever, but we were just basically just talking shop uh, for a while when we first met him. And it's just, uh, you yeah. were in the background just going, <laughs> <laughs> The only one that like acknowledged it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that response so much. Nerves. I wanted to keep trying to get it to happen again. <laughs> I, I do want to say that um, as diverse as these characters are, not like a traditional like adventuring party diverseness that you would see in like a fantasy thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, everybody gelled together really well in character. Like there's no like like friction, like like character friction other than like, oh, shut up, Simon, you're talking about stuff again. Like that's the, that's the worst it would get. Yeah, that's why I meant like uh, with uh, with Sharptooth, where it is extremely difficult to create a narcissistic character, because but um because they they have a tendency to grate on everybody or to like try to hog the uh the limelight. But uh, yeah. with Sharptooth, and that's part of the charm, really. Where he but he the the difference is that. He isn't trying to get everybody to think that he is the greatest. He already knows it and just yeah. assumes that everybody else does too. And he doesn't necessarily and like talk down to just people other than like three strings, which is more like a rivalry sort of talk down to thing. Yeah. Or just like, yeah, you know I'm great, but that's okay. I'm just great. So people are just better than you, you know? <laughs> yeah. So why do I why do I need to spend the time to uh, to explain it? Yeah. <laughs> so um I mean, Water Deep, Water Deep Dragon Heights, of course, it's an official module by Wizards of the Coast. Um, after you, you kind of get involved with um, some of the city uh, cities like underground factions um, who are after this huge pile of uh, embezzled gold, a.k.a. dragons. Um, but partway through, you uh, gain ownership of a, a tavern. And um, I think this is probably my favorite part of the game when we were just just deciding how we wanted to decorate it. <laughs> like, um, I think this, I think that part of the game, like, we kind of like fleshed out more of our personalities just by like how, like, where we, what rooms we wanted, like how we wanted to decorate the tavern. Um, and I think, I think that's like a lot of personality came out of that part of the game. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. It's and it's one of those things like depending on the group, like some people are just gonna be like, no, I just want to go adventuring. I don't want to own a tavern. But the way that we're doing this on Roll Twenty, I'm able to just drop in assets and pictures and things, and based on what you described, and then just fill it out like that. And you're able to basically play a little, excuse me, a little bit of The Sims <laughs> in Dungeons and Dragons, um, incorporating a couple of uh, interesting pets and side things. Leaf, you can either basically try and kill or befriend him <gasps> and uh you guys decide to befriend him because having a bartender ghost bartender kind of cool well we, oh, wait. we did initially at least i said maybe we should hire a necromancer so we can get rid yeah. of this ghost but then we, we found out that oh he's not, not so bad 
Doesn't he writing like threatening things on the mirrors though? At that point? Yeah, he started out like a poltergeist where it um he he wanted us to leave. Yeah, uh, the, the, it, the way it's the way it's written in the book is basically he says, and then they only give you a couple paragraphs, like a paragraph or two on on how this works. Is that he initially is doing that kind of stuff to try and just scare you away. It's like, no, this is my bar. You're gonna just make it worse. Blah blah blah. I don't want to turn into a bed and breakfast. Uh, but if you, it says that if you like win him, you can win him over, uh, uh, and then he'll just be your bartender, like because he'll be like, oh, you want to open this up? Okay, yeah, let's get this working again. I haven't had a good bar since I died, um, and I'm able to write around the uh, the you find his whiskey that was stolen, and he likes you for it, he thanks you for it. You learn his recipe, so you can throw in the the leaf's whiskey as like a little thing, um throw around like that so it's it's they get, basically give you enough to do something with and they expect you especially in chapter two to as a dm to sort of build around that uh so I had a lot of fun trying to build around this kind of stuff what, what would have happened if we tried to turn it into some kind of beatnik uh poetry slam place uh he probably would have kept harassing you <laughs> <laughs> so um after the fact i kind of went back um, to chapter two, which is kind of like the most open part of the adventure. Um, and I think since I DM'd a few sessions, um, we unfortunately kind of missed out on some more like slice of life um, bar stuff. So, because um, uh, I assume you're going into like the the rival. Yeah, because in the book there is a uh, rival, uh, basically bar owner. Yeah, so that, um, the, it kind of becomes becomes enemies like with with the party. Yeah, so he the, so this the way this was written is that like he wanted to buy the place but was under underbid by or outbid by um, Volo, and so he's resentful for it, and he basically uh, eventually I've and I've never I've never had the chance to actually run that to actually do stuff with it, but he basically tries to just make you all um just make things worse for you just be a horrible horrible sort of neighbor that's trying to like just slyly uh, uh vandalize your place he hires a bunch of were rats uh that's per, uh, parade around as as uh, halflings yeah that's the other thing all the all the were rats in this one are halfling rats uh which would have been even better for rat king but he basically is supposed to do that to he hires them to just go to to be the people that you hire at your bar and he just says yeah whenever nobody's looking just do something horrible something around that thing but yeah and if we went that route I definitely I like I don't know exactly what I would have done cuz I would have figured like they would have found out you were the rat king Joey and then would have been like oh oh no we can't do anything to this this is the rat king I'm not going to do this to the rat king or maybe they think um about to say giving were rats a bad name. I, don't, I guess I don't know how that would happen. <laughs> um, I was kind of like disappointed we didn't do that because that sounded fun. It's yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that we didn't do that could have been interesting. Uh, because this is such an open ended thing. Uh, that's just how it is. The chapter four is four different encounter chains, and each of them has a different thing that happens over the ten locations that you can visit. Plus. Every villain, all four of the villains in the game, have their own lair because they could get the Stone of Galore or you could want to investigate them or you can continue it on after your 
finish the thing just to just to deal with them. Uh, and you went to one of them. You you went to the the Sea Maidens Fair and look around that. Uh, but you didn't you didn't make it to. There was no reason to get to the other ones. Uh, and uh, uh, switch villains actually halfway through. So, um, I, I actually I want to talk about that next. So let's wrap this up and or have anybody else per, uh, say what they want. I want to I want to talk about like the how the the uh, the villain story progressed. So, yeah. Um, before we go into that, like um, for the other people, like what were kind of your, like your favorite part of the uh, the adventure? Do you think? For Start with. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, was going to say, um, in the beginning, because uh, Rat King and Mosi were separate, um, trying my best to try and get you to both be in the same place at the same time, just to see how you as a player would get out of it was really fun. Um, well, that's a really good mousy disguise. <laughs> yeah, because I also had to play with the idea where Brutrick definitely believes it's two separate people. So when I saw Rat King disguise himself as Mousy, he just had to believe that he was obviously very good at disguises, because why would that be Mousy? Exactly. Yeah, that's about it. I, I always figured that Simon, uh, Simon would be intelligent enough to figure it out pretty easily if he actually considered the idea. Uh, it's it, like how... I, obviously, Clark Kent is Superman if you consider the possibility of him being it. I, but um, I, that and um, a, a slight bit of absent-mindedness or, or like a one-track mind kind of thing, um, he just never really um, it never really considered even thinking about who who the Rat King was and, or, like, or if he even had a secret identity. He probably just did this all the time. I love how Rat King is essentially instead of Clark Kent being Superman, it's what if Clark Kent were Batman, but still Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there how was you say, say. Uh, like which part of the adventure did you like the best? I I will say also very much liked, especially at the beginning, you like tackling between Ocean. I thought that as like playing with you, I'd also kind of like skew things to mess with you a bit on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um uh more towards like the actual adventure like like what yeah what, yeah what I, I that, do you think i really like the urban environment i thought that that was really neat uh to do like just how we went to like different uh it wasn't like we're going to different dungeons how we're like going into a business and it's <laughs> the, like like i could go into a business and talk about the biggest beds ever made for a bed and breakfast <laughs> and like stuff like that. I thought that was so much fun. Uh, so I really like the, a lot of the uh, dialogue based, any dialogue based section where it's just like, okay, in this section, you're supposed to just adventure around and meet new people. Personally, I, I yeah. thought that that was the most fun figuring out uh, character wise, but uh, yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, this... this Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, that was it. I was like, yeah, the, the bed, <laughs> Conversation was probably one of the funnier ones. <laughs> that was just that was just me spitting random uh, uh, improv and, and 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 hitting a bullseye. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this environment definitely uh, the way this is written does does lend itself to having a lot more social interactions than than um, uh, combat or exploration. 
which is which is nice when you have a group that is that is does role play really well or is really into the role play. Um, and that was that was actually a lot of fun just trying to come up with like just characters on on the fly and when you're just talking to somebody and how, how they're interacting with it, which is I'm not an actor, not an improv actor, so um, I have limitations on how well I can do that and how how I can remember how they're they 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 act between games. So you know it's it's a good way to just kind of uh to kind of um you know practice myself as a DM and it was a lot of fun. And they they are the problem. Good. Uh, I was just um it, it, my my favorite bit was the interactions with pe- with people like how how Brutrick would end up acting like like a big brother for Simon uh, just looking out for him when uh, he's just kind of uh, um just walk uh, going along behind uh, uh, the other two in the group I, and uh, just helping out when when necessary trying to find any excuse possible he can to uh, to just go home. Or um, or just like cancel them, uh, cancel the quest entirely, but gets dragged along anyway. Um, but and I rather liked uh, chapter two where we had to like gather stuff. Cause it it reminded me a lot of um when my uh, favorite um uh, RPGs and uh, for video games and stuff is Baldur's Gate two and uh in others where um. You base there's a entire chapter where you basically just have to gather enough money to be able to pay for some information, and it's one of my favorite parts of the game. Even though you're staying inside, you can't even leave the city. You have to stay in <laughs> inside of this uh, isolated area, and uh, it 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 kind of hit the same uh, the same notes of that where we're not off exploring. We're just trying to survive and to. Uh, to scrimp and save and stuff to get what we need. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like the fact that we did um, the minimizing mage, um, which isn't part of the water deep module. Um, and we got a bunch of money from that kind of like negated the need to really do any of chapter two. Um, like a lot of the side quests and stuff. Right. And the, there are a couple of options that are sort of written in there and, and in some supplement Supplements that I have written by other people on on like DMs on DMs Guild, uh, like hey, what if you need a loan? That way you don't have to just try and get all this money. Here's one of the characters that can give you a loan, and then you can just have that into your thing later on. You'll be able to pay it off by the end anyway if you if you get the gold. Um, so, like that could that that's actually very interesting. Is that the the chapter two can go on as long as you want if you want it to just be like uh we're just going to live here. You don't, don't have to have a chapter two. You just have yeah. one thing that they just have one small adventure, something they have to do and then level them up. Uh, we can go to Windhelm or we can uh, go to every other place on, uh, on the map, except for Windhelm. Exactly. It's, and like, it also let me put like, in like, looked, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to look at the chapter two and um, it's not just stuff to do a level two. Like, right. Um, like, we kind of, once we got Chapter 3, kind of, you know, went through the adventure at that point, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. They had quests for Level 2, 3, 4, and 5 that you could potentially do, like, in between, yes. um, like, major events. And I, and I should point out, for those that are not aware, is that the, the they're not really adventures or quests to do. They're more like, uh, I mean, they're quests, but they're more, they give you basically, like, a paragraph or a couple of sentences on 
how this should be run, what needs to be done, and how it should be run, and how the resolution is is done. And they're not all just like super detailed things. It's like one of them is uh, go find a talking horse in the city. Um, you just roll, make a couple of rolls uh, investigating for them. You find the you find the horse. They give you the information, and well, you send it out out to that. And they basically have one of those lists for every of the every one of the major factions that you can join, including the the bad ones. So you always have a, a good amount of fodder of what you can run in though in those. I took some of those and morphed them into what needed what what fit with the characters. Um, I made up my own. Uh, uh, I made up my own one, one on a couple of the occasions, or I used ones that I had made up previously and I've run before, um, just because you know they, they fit. Uh, or you can uh, just jump over and do a completely different side adventure like Men and Mage. <laughs> Yeah, and, and like um, some of those are probably just meant to be like a little bit of RP and then a dice roll to see if you do it. Not necessarily like a three-hour uh, session. Um, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say, though? Um, oh, could I uh, say something about the Growlhoon section of the adventure? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because um, I... Where we were in there and we had to make a decision whether to let someone kidnap somebody or attack him, it was very um, confusing of whether who was the good person, who was the bad person, and then we accidentally teamed up with the guy with the burnt face and he kidnapped the lord of the the manor. And it, the thing I really appreciated appreciated about how it was written is that there wasn't like a right and a wrong way to do that it's just like these are two different choices you can make and there's probably infinite choices because uh people can just choose choose to do whatever they want and then you just have to deal with those consequences and it doesn't mean like negative consequences or anything and it just created this really cool timer for us that okay we're affiliated with somebody who kidnapped a lord um we should probably hurry up and find everything so it 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 even though it's like it didn't have to. It fed really well into like the overall storyline, and it didn't feel like a punishment that we accidentally helped him kidnap mm. a lord. So I just it thought was, the writing was yeah, really it was nice. a it was a really nice way to set up a ticking clock because if you did nothing, or if they killed Erstel, who was the 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 guy with the the bad guy that was that did the kidnapping, um, they would have just tried to explain things away to you anyway and try to keep things under wraps anyway because they were doing nefarious stuff because they were trying to get the Stone of Galore. Um, and that's, actually, their motivations are different based on what villains you villain you choose to. They give you a different motivation for each of those. But basically the same thing happens. Um, but in that case, uh, it got a little weird because I had to keep on my toes because I gave you the wrong information because I misread it. I had originally said that the the person with the burst faced was the gnome whereas the gnome was actually dead this was one of the pursuers of the gnome and <laughs> yeah. that completely changed things i'm like oh god what, what you know what? let's just run let's see what happens we'll just run with it so uh i hate running that yeah. section already because there's so much crap in it uh, not crap but there's so much stuff going on in there and it can go with so many different rates and just have so much trouble keeping on on top of things but i'm glad that it worked out so well i admittedly i i'm um, I pretty much understood correctly uh, from the start of that. I'm, I'm not entirely. I never really got the confusion because I, I thought you ended up saying that he was wearing the same outfit as 
uh, the gnome, not that he was the gnome. Yeah. But then, as more stuff went on, uh, there was um, it, more stuff to, to remember and stuff. So, um, yeah, 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 the initial thing you said got uh, got lost. Yeah, the, the the actual thing was that the gnome was heading to you for protection. He was one of the people working for Lord Never Ever, and he had the stone. Fireball went off, and the Erstol, the one with the burnt face, was one of his three. The three pursuers took the stone, and then ran off and was the survivor. And I, I, I mixed mixed those up a little bit when I was talking, but it, like I said, it all worked out. <laughs> um, and, and, and like I said, that made a good ticking clock, because one thing, um, depending on your group, um, party motivation can be a problem sometimes with these pre-written adventures, or, or just any adventures, because, like, you have to move the story along. Yeah. Um or else, like, D&D won't happen. And uh, one thing as Mousy and the Rat King, since he was, like, a pursuer of justice, like, he wanted to go, you know, solve this mystery. But, like, I wasn't sure if, like, Simon, Brutrick, and Sharptooth wanted to. And, uh, and like, I know probably as, from a player's standpoint, you're like, well, we got to play D&D, so let's go <laughs> along with it. Um, but... That, now that we have like a ticking clock and saying, "Oh, actually, finding this the Vault of Dragons will actually clear our name, and we won't go to prison," like that, um, you know, that gave incentive to actually right. like do the rest of the adventure. And that's also why I threw in the audible of of Trench telling you that this was going to happen because it was like, "Oh, I need a I need a way to to for them to understand the stuff that they missed." And I figured Trench was a good way to do that, and we'll just say that he knows yeah. who Mousy is, and it's like it, it worked out really well like that, and really set everything up. In, uh, in the anime version of this, Trench is the narrator. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> just like uh, Humphrey Bogart. And some new, some new folks moved into the tavern next next door. <laughs> a little fellow, a tall and lanky guy, and a guy that smells like trash. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps yelling out of his tower. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Yelling tower. <laughs> um, I, mean, I just, I just love, I just love in like stuff like this where just a little off, like just a random joke he made, like a yelling tower. Like, yeah, Sharptooth just goes to this tower, just yells, like became a part of the actual, like building and what he does every morning, and became part of like the advertisement for the uh, for the tavern and all that stuff. I think it actually also story-wise affected uh, someone was like stole. Oh, it was when the alcohol was stolen, the whiskey was stolen, and Sharptooth because he was like standing at his yelling tower, yelling at stuff. He caught a glimpse of the direction. I think. Right, I was able to work that in. So yeah, uh, and I, um, I, I, I did, it didn't really come up much. I think I just um like once or twice, but uh, how I um I ended up basically. I I rarely ever try to to min max my characters. I try to base them off of um, what the player, what the character itself would end up doing. And I I figured that Sharptooth was the one deciding what my spells would be for for half of it because uh, he wanted to use magic to advertise more and to uh, to just uh, get his name. In, um, uh, in lights, or in this particular case, in the sky. So it, I, I felt re required to get sky right 
Pyrotechnics and Skyrite, you two just could be taking some of the, the least used spells, or at least in the situation like Adventures League, where you generally do want to take a good spells. Um, and it's just it's so much fun to see those more flavorful ones just just work. Well, you both even yeah. use it for a good reason too. Uh, uh, an unseen servant to clean the uh, the tavern. Oh, no. oh yeah, and not having knock when when it really would have killed you. I don't. I, I think I. Um, uh, it was only after in which I ended up uh, getting more, uh, more second level spells. Right. So I did want to before um, we move on. I do want to. I do want to mention like two, two or three character moments that just for some reason just stick in my mind. One of them, I think, one of my favorites was when Simon found the necklace of fireballs and identified it, and he just froze and locked up. Um, you played that off so well. I loved it. Um, another one was uh, uh oh god, it was some shark tooth that I was thinking about it not too long ago, and now I completely forgot. Uh, it'll come back to me. I'll explain it. Uh, you know that time. That yeah, thing that Sharptooth did. What what uh, one That's of the right. small one of the small favorite things that that Sharptooth did was uh when you had found when you defeat when you killed the other Nimble Right, um and Sharptooth was trying to like shout at the guards that were coming. He was like, hey, well, I'm allowed to be up on a roof. What's That's not a crime. And then Brutrick's like, I grab Sharptooth and run. And then you just put in a very little little line that says, whoops, gotta go. And I just loved that. <laughs> it's just like, it fits so much in character, but felt like a little, like, Bugs Bunny cartoon type thing. <laughs> well, that's the benefit of being in the same room for Sam and Steph. Like, oh, they yeah. just play off each other a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> and plus, they're twins. It means their minds are synced. That's how that works, right? No. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, very briefly, um, in the middle of this, we did run a uh, little side adventure that's not part of the module, like you mentioned. Um, There's a module by uh, Charmstone Games. Um, you can find it on DM's Guild um, called The Mansion of the Minimizing Mage. Um, they also just have a new adventure that they put up a couple months ago that uh, oh, wow. might be fun to run sometime. Hashtag um, sponsored? Hashtag sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what do you guys think of um, of that adventure, real briefly? That was a nice. It was it was a nice uh, like change of pace from the urban one because it's, it's an uncon. It's a, a adventure that's not connected to this, so it's just a completely different setting. But it was it was cool how like they incorporated just the the shrinking. Like you've got the shrinking tropes across like fantasy and science fiction stuff all the time, and then just kind of like um. Like your weapons are now like stuff that you found on the on the dining room table. You now have a a knife that's a that's basically your longsword. And when you grow back, you keep it as a giant knife. Yeah. Little like touches like that were really nice. Uh, if your clothes shrink with you, then uh, anything you're holding should grow with you too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sam stuff. Like, what do you think of that of that adventure? I thought it was when I remember first doing it. I I really liked playing uh, Sharptooth as being like very frustrated more than like scared or like worried about what was going to happen. I was like, ah, jeez, shrunk. Where do we go from here? Like it was like a. I really like playing it like that, where it's more like an annoyance. It's supposed to be to, like, sleeping, but instead of <laughs> tiny. And I and I. <laughs> And I really like. I suppose that's another thing I really liked. Aside from the minimizing thing, I know we just one of us, but in game, other people 
like voicing my character, I really liked it because they always every single time everyone did it, I found it very accurate to whatever he was going to do. Like I that's why he's it. such a great character because like I <laughs> began feeling like if I had to write a sharp tooth not like you know an no animated the animated series, I think I could like I, I know the personality of sharp tooth, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like how everyone could input uh, in, but for the uh, yeah, I liked it being like an an annoyance. And when Mark, uh, sorry, when, uh, Joey B kept trying to be like giving so many hints about something is off, and just constantly like I, as a player is purposely annoying, ignoring them and not doing insights <laughs> because it was in there. Yeah. If I remember right, Sharptooth didn't even want to go to the place. The only reason he agreed to it was because I ended up mentioning that there was going to be food. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and like Amaz Amazaban was, I think that was his name, was a just a fun little villain to, to kind of RP as. Uh, like, oh yeah, the uh, a module describes him as this like wizard that was like who was looked down upon his entire life. So the reason why he wanted to shrink people is so he can look down on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like it, once that happens he just likes to mess with them and like send cats and slimes and toys after him I, uh, I do kind of regret that he wasn't based off Rick Moranis <laughs> oh god oh, yeah <laughs> oh but then he would have been a great guy yeah. or, um, or like some version of him like, like uh, use the Rick Moranis from Ghostbusters yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I was also very impressed um, that they kind of made this really epic boss fight for like a level three. Um, like yeah. you had to you had to do the puzzle while uh, fighting off the enemies, and um, also like a fully grown wizard like just using magic on you at the same time. Like I thought that was a lot of fun. Puzzle yeah, and a fight in this economy. Yeah, that was it was good. <laughs> Because yeah, you have the hand floating around, trying to do stuff, and it's like you know that boss in Kirby uh, SNES, which is like the like master hand, hand. that slaps you. <laughs> yeah, master hand. I guess Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the, the oh, other thing I really liked is it created a character arc for Brutrick, where he's like, "Oh, but that was such a kindly old man; he wouldn't hurt us." And then he did that, and so after then, I made it a point to do insight checks whereas before i wouldn't have because oh, he's nice. like yeah. i've been absolutely tricked by this really nice looking old man because always trying to see the good in people it means a lot less insight checks so then Ex after except that when, oh, yeah. except when jarlaxle disguised himself as the thing and let you out of jail everybody's like oh this must be going on for reals <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that was, everything was so quick there was no time for yeah, yeah. i was a little a little too trusting when, because I, I, I really did think it's like, oh, this guard is like, um, is like on our side. He must have some inside information. So he's, he's gonna let us out. Maybe he's a friend of Trench or something. Like, that's what, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, if I so, turn off your axle, um, and that kind of leads into, uh, kind of a weakness. And, and this isn't against your DMing mark, but like, I thought maybe since we switched villains halfway through, um, they never really got the the spotlight or the story treatment that I think the book intended. Well, um, so let me let me let me explain a little bit of that because I know the book. I've run this a couple of times. Um, I mean, so 
if you recall back in the original like like session zero that we did is that I had everybody you you did all did two things you picked a friend at the bar which was great for some of your backstories really nice and then you picked a a, a season and what was your character's favorite season and we ended up being on autumn autumn ended up what the villain for autumn was Jarlaxel um uh and that was going to be the the setup however what happened when you were doing the Growlhund Manor, because you sort of allied with them and found out some information about their little uh, Asmo- or, uh, the Asmodeus sort of cults, I was like, the Castellanters work really a lot better with this. Um, and the Castellanters are basically just basically nobles that um, have, like, there's, there's a whole reason why they're doing this sort of, like, like, um, I forget exactly what it is. It's some like a sacrificial sort of um, cult thing where so they're trying. Oh, um, I kind of read it. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I kind of read into this a little bit. Um, it's it's something about how they have um, their like grown children or their nephews, nieces, nephews are like tieflings. Yes. Um, that means they have demonic uh, heritage. Yeah. Um, and it was something about the cult was holding the kids hostage unless they like basically gave them an exorbitant amount of gold. Yeah. And, like the, X amount of X amount of souls. It's yeah, like the, the, like, the Castlanders needed to do this to kind of like save their kids for, for whatever the reason was probably that. Um, so then if there's like, a, a it wasn't sort of, we want to screw over the city or we want to get rich or anything like that. It was, we need to do this. Because we care about these things that our mistakes dealt deal, but we don't want to, you know, let that go. So they're, they're being bad for you know for other different reasons. But so what happened was after that happened, I was like, let's do the Castellanters because you can go more into this information. It just fit a lot better. When you were looking for the Nimble Right soon after, you ended up finding him in. Uh, in uh, the 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 dock ward, but if you're in the dock ward and you're checking for nimble right, you find the ones on the on the uh, on the ships on on Jarlaxle ships, and so you had that whole thing where you went there first, leading you to just look. And not only did you you didn't just have that dinner, Mousy went looking around and found the 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 message about Loth and the weird things and stuff like that. Spiders, you're like, what's going on? And I'm like, this makes Jarlaxle. Also a good villain again. So what I ended up doing was starting it as if you were doing the Castle Lanterns uh, thing. And then halfway through, when the guy gets uh, uh, killed in the the manservant gets killed in the um, in the street, I instead of having the normal thing, which is a bunch of urchins that that basically take the stone. And I was like, let's have. Uh, Jar- let's have a drow just take it and you just fight the drow and then it just changes hands. Jarlaxle becomes the villain again. Um, I, I always thought that uh, the uh, the original villain was going to be the Zentarum. Uh Why would you think that, though? Uh, because they were the ones that we ended up running in, uh, into when um, trying to find the uh, nobleman's son. Right, right. So... so- the way it's set up is sort of like you see the because the other two factions are the other two villains are Xanathar and Manshun. Manshun is the leader of the Zentarum or a faction of the uh, a, a, a splinter cell of the Zentarum. 
and Xanathar is the uh, leader of the Xanathar Guild, obviously. Uh, and you sort of you have a reason to see all all four villains or things from the villains throughout the game, the earlier stuff, and it doesn't they are all set in stone, and you don't really do more until later on. Like in the very first thing, if you remember that the, you had that mind flare that went through a portal in the other room, and then Mousy was like, "Should I go through the portal?" And then it closes. Uh, if he jumped through that portal, he would have gone to Xanathar's lair. <laughs> Um, at level one. Which would be bad. Oh, yeah. I, I, but, I was a little surprised with that, because I knew, like, you you picked the villain. Um, but then I learned, like, when we started, it's like, oh, it's Xanathar, we get Beholders. But then later, we was like, oh, it's not Xanathar at all. Um, I was a little surprised that, like, it's not a little more uh, consistent, like... Like the, the the bad guy faction would have been the guy to kidnap Floon, um, yeah, like always, the, you know. The the yeah, the way it, it's done is that the the factions don't really matter until chapter four, or the villain doesn't matter until chapter four, and things can change hands based on how the DM runs it, like beforehand or even during chapter four, which is what happens. Like it, it seemed like a better way to switch villains and then jump back to the other villain based on what you did as players. Um. Uh-huh. This is the first time I've actually done that, and I was trying to figure out, well, what's a good way to, to jump this back? Because originally, when you're in the jail cell, Jarlaxle isn't the one that comes there in disguise. It's the doppelganger. He kills the uh, sergeant and is impersonating the sergeant. Um, oh. Yeah, so, and then then at the end, instead of having, like, the cat, Jar- Jarlaxle's the only one that actually shows up as the villain at the end. The other ones send uh, minions or henchmen or spine devils or whatnot. Um, so it made it a more interesting thing that you, you know, you got to yeah, meet actually, him at some point, and he came back and did that. Yeah, yeah, she faced the villain. <laughs> I, I yeah, um, wow. I, I just kind of thought that, like, since we kind of changed hands halfway through the ending chapters, like, didn't really feel a connection to either of them in, in some ways. Um, <laughs> There sort of isn't because it's really about they're all just they don't care about you. They're trying to get the stone. The stone just kind of falls in your lap or the situation around the stone falls in your lap. You are the outside thing that is now being forced into it. Uh, Bon, I think you were trying to say something. Um, Well, in in that particular one, it's I I did rather like how there was it's just how how often it was changing hands, how every five minutes an entirely different faction had their hands yeah. on it. Uh, but um, I was going to say, uh, Steph wanted to say something earlier. Uh, what was that oh, first? I was just saying that I really like the, the idea of like, it's almost like it's a roulette wheel of mm-hmm. villains and you're not really sure who's going to be like the big bad. So I thought, I thought that, that was really was... interesting because I didn't know it was like, the very end. Yeah, because I did like that, how it switched hands and it kind of linked back to... Um, that uh, that drow that we fought uh, in the doppelganger yeah. place. Oh, that's um, that's actually what I want to. I'm sorry to, to interrupt, but I was like, this is really what I want to talk about because I was really excited about how this worked. Is that when I was doing some of those chapter three and chapter four things, I realized a couple of things that you did worked as sort of like a a callback. So going after the Bonnie thing. Um, and doing that doppelganger thing was like a combination of two different side quests that you could do. 
And based on the roles there, it's just of how some things happen. And I had uh, Drow was trying to attack somebody else. Let's have Drow attacking uh, Bonnie because, well, well, Bonnie's a doppelganger. Maybe he just doesn't like doppelgangers. Um, and so I did that. Uh, and then later on, I realized, oh, what if those villains actually end up killing the doppelganger, which is one of the ones that you guys randomly saw going into the place? And we have that whole callback there. And I was like, this all works so well. It's all roundabout. It's like, yeah. it's like it's fate. It's like poetry. It's like What would have happened if you picked the uh, the Bonnie doppelganger instead? Well, I wouldn't pick the Bonnie doppelganger because the, the way it's written is that it is a doppelganger that is the manservant that you chase. And that has no connection to the, as far as I can tell, there's no actual connection to the other doppelgangers that are mentioned. It oh, says okay. that Bonnie is a doppelganger that has a group of doppelgangers in the city. And at some point, some people are like, you need to find out if these are trustworthy. And it turns out, like, Bonnie's the only trustworthy one. All the other ones aren't. And and Three Strings knows about this uh, as well. Um, but it's like, the way all that fell into just into place, I was, like, super happy with. Now, so I, 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 I have no, uh, no complaints whatsoever for, uh, for the villains and uh, how that ended up happening. Though, um, it's... What do you think? What would the uh, the setting end up probably being like if you decided to use all four factions? I'm assuming there's just four. Uh, we're basically yeah. like um, we're only seeing some of it, but um, like during like during chapter two, while we're trying to find money, we end up keep we keep running into either the aftermath or the uh, or. Uh, dealings of like Xanathar having to mm-hmm. uh, to battle uh, the Zentarum or like their um, uh, like having a turf war kind of thing between themselves or their um, their schemes and stuff like that running into one another uh, as they're trying to do stuff and then later yeah. on um, like they almost take turns like trying to come after us or whoever it is that has yeah. uh, the thing. They would need somebody with a little better world building skills yeah, than I. I could be the GM. Yeah, that would have been that would that'd be super interesting to have the actual like villain and uh, who has control of the stone or who is getting closer to the stone is visible to the players based on what's going on in the city. That would be super interesting. Yeah, I was I was expecting a little bit more like um, on the street like gang war stuff going on. Um, because like the the, the Theorem and the and the Xanathar Guild, like I thought, like we're going at it uh, so yeah, much. You, you see that in the first chapter, definitely. Um, and yeah. it's the idea is to set that set that thing up, but it doesn't really, at least in the because we didn't go after the Xanatharm or Xanathar, so their sort of villain stories didn't really come out since then. So yeah, no. I mean, that's why I think like. Maybe it's just a like it would just be too much to handle, too much like, content to do. That's why I think like if uh, Jaraxel was supposed to be the villain, like he should have been involved. Chapter one, um, but it could be like it, um you basically assign one of the factions to each of the uh, of the subquests or whatever it is that we end up doing to try to earn yeah. money, and then. Okay. 
uh, like there's a chance for one of the other factions to either show up or have a uh, an opposing uh, scheme or something going on, and uh, we just basically get to uh, either it, most likely just escape it. So here, here's the fun thing, though. Sorry, Sam and stuff. I know we're kind of taking this, this part over. Um, I'm just sitting back and listening. <laughs> part of the fact, like I was reading through the uh, the book, and you can join the Zentherum and Jaroxel's gang. Um, as, as a faction. Yep. Um, they have like quest lines for Zentherum, and if you have a drown the party, it makes it easier. But they say if you have a drown the party, um, dra- um I forget the name of his group, but like the they will there. approach you. Yeah, they will approach you about joining them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even have like quest lines you can do for them. Yeah, you don't. This you don't have to play. More, you can play morally ambiguous or even just morally antagonizing characters in this one. There's no reason for these characters at all to be nice other than to rescue the people at the beginning. You could have played it in a way like, well, I want to get that money and keep it for myself. Um, which is possible. So was the, uh, was the group that kidnapped Floon, was that the splinter cell of the Xantherum, or is that like the, the main... I think that's the normal one because the splinter cell doesn't really take on until you really get to the Manchun stuff. Um, so like chapter four. So that was just that was okay. just Zentarum versus Xanathar. Uh, Xanathar, uh, yeah. It, it could have been. I don't remember because I you know didn't read too much into it. Plus it was because yeah, um, but Zentarum like aren't necessarily like oh we're bad guys we're out to rule the world. They're kind of like yeah. some of those influence from the shadows kind of organizations. Um, so I wasn't sure if, like, you know, it was the big, because if you look on the cover of that big, uh, Thanos-looking guy is actually the other villain we haven't talked too much about. Yeah, the, the, um, the all, all the villains are on the cover there. Xanathar, obviously, in the back. Jarlaxle's the dude in the hat. Manchun is the one in the front there with the claw, and then the two with the masks on the side flanking Jarlaxle are the Castle Lanterns. Staring at you the whole time, and nobody knew. I, I was wondering who the, who they were. <laughs> now, well, I obviously could recognize Xanathar anyway. Um, now, a question about um, about their their goal. Um, essentially, uh, did anybody of those factions ever actually consider? Um, attuning to it, or did they simply just none of them could figure out how to use the thing? Because at least a couple of them had it for at least a few days. So the, the idea, idea is that the villain, if they get the actual stone, because basically one person brings it to you, they die. Ursul takes it, essentially goes directly to where they're supposed to go to. Uh, you guys took like a day or two to get there. Um, and then the nibble right runs off, so nobody really had nobody's supposed to have the time to just attune to it, um, or maybe they're not magic users; they don't know how to. Uh, but there is a thing saying that if the villains get the stone of galore, for instance, if you lost, like if you if you all fell during that uh, alleyway fight, the cast lanterns would have gotten it. Um, they figure out where the vault is in like. I think it's like two d four days or something like that. It's like up to like uh, up to te- up to ten days later. Um, 
giving you a different ticking clock. You now are going to have to try and find where it went, and that would be up. That would have been up to me to to figure out how to navigate that. <laughs> but didn't come to that. Yeah, I, I ended up getting uh, a locate object purely for that possibility. That would have been really good. Yeah, uh, I did want to talk about a couple of things that uh, that you guys either missed or didn't get to, and I wanted to take an opportunity to answer any questions that you guys had about your the storylines as well. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, because ahead. of what's coming up, I do want to bring up a spoiler alert for anybody that does want to play it, because... I. I, I I don't know about the others, but I've got some questions for for stuff that we didn't manage to get. And if uh, yeah, yeah. if somebody else wants to play it, um, maybe pause it from here. Yeah. Although we just we did kind of talk about the villains and then yeah yeah you know I just oh yeah this definitely <laughs> all, that, all that was what ifs and not really <laughs> explaining what actually happens if you go by the book. So let me let me start it off by by going over a couple things that I want to just talk about that that we never we didn't get to do. We talked a little bit about it before the uh, the, the wear rats would have been really nice. Um, Bonnie was a doppelganger from the beginning. Uh, I am sorry it didn't come to. I was like maybe should I make it so Rat King ends up with Bonnie or should I just keep it that Bonnie is a doppelganger and that's not going to work out from Bonnie's point of view. Um, so. But it made it a very interesting dynamic for, for how it worked, because the entire time you were talking to her, she was a doppelganger. Um, let's see, a couple couple things that you did miss. So you did miss a were-rat that you could have seen in Chapter 1. Um, he, I, had, I made sure that you spotted him, uh, but nobody went after him. He's in, like, this other sort of uh, area that's a little down from where you essentially enter and come out of. Like, it's a little side area. The only person that saw him was uh, was Rat King, but uh, he was the only person that couldn't see in darkness. And I'm pretty sure he ended up rolling a bad perception roll or something like that. Yeah, it was some kind of ro a low roll where he basically yeah. lost sight. I, but that would have gone back. That, oh, go ahead. I remember that like it, potentially he did see it. And it was up to him to tell the rest of the party. And I don't think he did. Yeah. yeah well, because like, I thought it's like. I was thinking, oh, this is a, uh, you know, this will come up again. So I made a mental note, put it on my, uh, my little like, bulletin board in the room. Um, it just never came up again naturally, so it's kind of yeah. left angling. It was out there in case it came across other other ones, or if I needed to go into the sewer, see some more were rats, but never never came up unfortunately. Uh, I mentioned this in the I think the last game, but to, to mention here, the book that Sharptooth and Simon were trying to open in the Growlhund manner was essentially a, a, a trap. And it wasn't really like a trap trap. It was more like this is warding off anybody who wants to open it, not just against you. Uh, whoever opened it would have been attacked by three ghosts that last a minute. Three of them. Um, at level two, or level three. Uh, basically, Simon would have died. <laughs> Uh, actually, if I did manage to unclasp the lock, I probably would have just run away with it because I did. There was so much stuff going on, and we were in such a. I mean, like we're surrounded by corpses. Uh, he wasn't is, going to read an entire book right there. This is true. 
however, you would have opened it up at some point. Yeah, in it. the tavern. Yeah. Oh, and Leaf could have come to my rescue. <laughs> I, I would say that if anybody were to die, it would have been Simon, because yes. I know you're such a veteran player that you would have been able to be like, uh, well, that just happens. And and yeah, everybody else I, is like, I don't know if I want to kill them. I did <laughs> actually make a uh, an alternative character that uh, as a testing case. Because I wasn't, I, I did end up watching at least up to chapter two of Arcane Arcade play it, and it, like by that point, Runesmith had died twice. Uh, but one of the reasons was because he split the party. But oh, well, there uh, you go. <laughs> I figured just in case, and it it was going to be like somebody from the um from the Griffin patrols that got um. Uh, that basically got stripped of, of duty and uh, had oh, cool. come to the tavern looking for work, pretty much. Would you have been a cavalier fighter? Possibly. Oh, now I'm sad I didn't kill you. <laughs> cavalier fighters, for anybody who doesn't know, they're the fighter subclass that actually deals with horse jousting and stuff like that. Nobody ever plays which it really because most things don't use horses. <laughs> yeah, which would have come up a whole bunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah either um, that or, or, um, or the Warmaster. Uh, was, so there anything, was there any other things that we kind of missed? Uh, you found um, Trench, uh, who was a Raksha, Rakasha, Raksasha. I think it was. Um, and I did I, that was burning in my tongue the whole time because uh, yeah, uh, Bun made a joke about the tiger's eyes going, oh, if he's only like a kitty person or something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna save this because it is. I specifically oh. said, uh, what would they? Uh, what uh, what coincidence would it be if it was being if uh, he was actually a Rakashka? <laughs> um, great, but called right. it going. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that's all I can think about that we that have not discussed elsewhere. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if anybody has any questions that they really want to know, uh, I will answer the best of my ability. What's under the boat? Oh, under the boat is a, the door. It is a little submarine. Yes, it is a little submarine that uh, you would have been able to get to inside that room. There is a secret passage going to that thing. This little submarine, and this was actually the backup. Uh, thing. Whereas, if you if they got the stone uh, out of jail when you were leaving jail, if you gave it to them, uh, they would have gone to this one encounter in Mistshore, which you heard them talking about. Uh, which is basically they're waiting for a submarine to to come get them. It's not that submarine. I don't think it was that one. It was, but a dragon turtle submarine actually comes up uh, and tries to take them back to the uh, to where they need to go. Uh, but you guys didn't need to go do that as the backup. Uh, thing, but there is a submarine underneath the boat that was under there. Yeah. So, like a um, an appar uh, apparition of Qualish, whatever it's called again. It is not know. that, but there is one of those in the game. It is actually in Mishores that one of the NPCs there, and this is basically this is a rundown dock area. It's like a dock slums. Uh, there is a lady that has a apparatus of Qualish that can that is basically a submersible vehicle. Um, that you could use to go see that or sneak aboard the thing or go find the Stone of Galore if it fell into the ocean <laughs> or go treasure hunting. Neat. I guess one thing, just as somebody who was kind of like newer to playing this adventure, is mm -hmm. just the idea of like I could have literally just went out and talked to random people at any point in any part of the city. 
Uh, and I just never really thought of doing that because I was <laughs> kind of like trying to play the main story. And I was just like, oh, I could just go and just like meet people and just see if I could find the side quests instead of them just being oh, D- us. Oh, DMs, DMs love that when they have to make up <laughs> NPCs on the spot. Would have yeah, been good. Would have been good yeah. practice, but but yeah, more more to that is that at any time, Waterdeep is a big enough city that you could have gone around looking for just about like any magic item that's not like an artifact or uh, spells or things like that. Anything that could have just like helped you all, uh, and you did that oh, a yeah. little bit, especially with like the glass blowers tools and things like that. Um, but I am surprised we never went back to the purple shop. Oh yeah, the old Zoblob shop. Because, so, because like the Waterdeep Dragon Heist book is not just the adventure, like it's a Waterdeep like adventure guide. Like yeah. it has a ton of stuff in there about holidays and special events and things like right, that. Right, right. A lot, a lot of little actually sub adventures that you can throw in based on the season that you do. Uh, which we didn't we didn't get a chance to do any of those other than the Zelifarn. That was a specific adventure. Um, yeah, it is a useful tool as well for if you have your own campaign or something yeah. and you end up going to Waterdeep. Uh, the book has everything possible that you could ever want to know about the city and uh, end up, even if just passing through, uh, give them something to do. And I would highly recommend anybody who wants to run this to look onto DM's Guild uh, and pick up a thing called the uh, Waterdeep City Encounters. Uh, it's one of like the 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 the, uh, the the gold branded DMs Guild ones, which I think is made by more prominent people on the site or something. But it's basically like a whole bunch of different um, random encounters and actual like location encounters, uh, which we never did. I just did the random encounters based on wherever they are in the city uh, and with options for all of them. Excellent thing. That's where. Oh, that was my other favorite one. One of them was the. Um, the snake oil salesman that you came up against uh, early at one point. And this was my favorite thing that uh, one of the favorite things that Sharptooth did, which was that he goes over and I just had him like use the, the, the sharp, the snake oil on Sharptooth and he magically illusions your hair to grow back. Uh, and he's like, look at how this, this made this, this car- this man's, this man's hair grow back. It's amazing. And then you broke down and was like, I just fall to my knees and I'm like, oh God, I'm hideous. My beautiful and odd hair. Something like, like oh, that. Oh no, no. You uh, <laughs> turned his, his skin pink. Like know, a Caucasian it sounded like. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Right. It, was, it, it was something, it was something along the lines of like, like you, you've got green skin. That's right. You've got green skin and we'll heal the skin. And you're like my beautiful complexion, but you basically just played it off. Like your ugliness was perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> my, my, dis- I'm a disgusting pink now. Or something <laughs> like that. And afterwards, he's like, no, don't worry. It's just a trick. Here's a gold for your for your troubles. And you, you, you take it, you bite down the gold. Ah, worth it. And you just go back like nothing happened. He's <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 like, kind of conned the convent. <laughs> I, I was playing the character that he was genuinely, like, afraid of what was happening yeah. to him. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. So good. But uh, Avarice uh, distracted you from it. <laughs> yes. I think to yeah, highly recommend, up a little highly, bit. Highly recommend that. Oh, oh yeah, DMs Guild um, has great uh, a supplement for um, like these official adventures to, to add a few things or make some improvements. So yeah, yeah we always check that site out if you're running one of these things. Um, yeah, so to wrap things up a little bit, um, 
like this is um Bardu Dragon Heist, like just as a as an adventure, like um thumbs up, you think? I think it's I love I've run this one a couple times. It's got great replayability, it's got an interesting setting, and it's it's one of those ones that's more role uh, slightly more role play oriented and not dungeon running, not not mega dungeon or anything like that. Mega dungeon sequel. So I thumbs up for Waterdeep, especially if you just want a nice short four to five level adventure with new even newer people to the game. I'm always a fan of role play and um, this seems to be one that it, um, it is not specialized to just heroes. Uh, You can be any, uh, any, you can basically play this with any kind of party alignment possible. Um, and is not requiring you to do roleplay. Um, how fast it goes through is however much you want to put, uh, how much effort you want to put into it. Uh, but um, the fact that it, there, there is practically no railroading whatsoever in this thing because you can go in any direction, work with anybody you want, and um, there's so many different varieties of things to do that without making the DM. Uh, constantly have to like, okay, the entire campaign is shot. Now I have to come up with something brand new to, to work on um, because there's always something else to, uh, to pull from if they end up doing a 180 and going a different route they expected. So, thumbs up. Oh, Sam's same stuff. Sam, I this is my first Dungeons and Dragons ever. I played Scion and a really short game of Vampire before this. And I listened to the masquerade. um, Yeah. And um, it was a very short game. It lasted like maybe three sessions, but um, I, I listened to the um, dragon spire podcast with us previously. So I had what I was expecting was more like, and then we travel from like this part to this part. And like a lot of those like longer expeditions where I found because it was in the city and it was so localized uh, getting rid of all that as someone that's just starting into it was really uh, made it less overwhelming and felt like something was always happening. It's not like you're just like, was it filler episodes of anime? Yeah, this this one can be very, very quick, especially chapters three to four, which are kind of designed to go one after another. You don't really get a breather. So, so yeah, the floor fell out of uh, under us uh, come chapter yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, like some of the early uh, fifth edition adventures, like um, Port of the Dragon Queen, is often criticized that like it's just like you spend so much time traveling to someone there's point to a, another. There's a thing; it's like a sixty day travel in game of you just going from from uh, one thing to never never winter. Uh, it's it's ridic- It's kind of ridiculous based on what we do now. But but I'm sorry, we had I believe one more person have their opinion stuff hey uh yeah so again similar uh, as we played together so it was scion and that really quick uh vampire the masquerade not requiem uh that we played and um yeah it's, i it was a lot more fun like there's just a lot of openness to silly it can be as silly or as serious as you want to play it i mean it it would be interesting to see what it'd be like to play as a party of like all more evil uh characters because yeah now thinking about it like we could have turned that um tavern into like a a place of uh ill-gotten goods 
and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Like it, realizing now, like, oh yeah, you could have just turned that into like there's a illegal gambling. gambling. Yeah, like a thieves' yeah. den or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like those those are like really neat options. Thinking about it now, uh, and then uh, being able to play Brutrick as a character. And initially, I didn't really know what I was doing with him. It's just once everyone else was like more established, I'm just like, oh, I'm just a really big nice guy. Um, <laughs> And it was just, uh, it was nice to play that up and then to be able to uh, get opportunities because there were so many people around all the time that I got to do the, like, oh, I, I run over and help or something like that. And then I was able to get information from mm-hmm. some people sometimes because I was interacting immediately. Um, um, so, so, sorry. Yeah, because what I liked, like, um, Rat King was just trying to be sneaky, sneaky. But then when that didn't work, like, Brutrick was just like, oh, I'm sorry we were uh, sneaking around. Uh, maybe you could help us. And Hair has some of, some of, this, some of this ale that I have. You had a, a very a very good, um, like, um, Inigo Montoya and um, whatever the name of Andre did in Princess Bride. Where yeah. it, a stealthy and intellectual person and then just, like, uh, just thump, and then half the wall falls down. Uh, But, uh, as you were saying, um, character doesn't really have to be extremely um, uh, detailed or complex or anything like that to uh, to be able to play. I mean, um, motivations and stuff can be, but uh, the personality and so forth uh, doesn't have to have uh, an extreme amount uh, to it to be both fun as well as likable and um, uh, good to go uh, get uh, uh, to work with. Right, right. Um, and for me as a player, like I've, I've been DMing uh, um, like the Aspire Peak and Beyond game, and it's like very um, traditional fantasy stuff, and like this was a nice um, change of pace, like being in the urban environment and dealing a lot with um, like just everyday life for parts of it. Um, and some more, some of the more fantastical fantasy things, like with the nimble rights and uh, and all that stuff, was was just a lot of fun. And uh, so, so thanks, Mark, for um, running this for what the third time for for like, players. I uh, might be the fourth time. Yeah, I think fourth it's time. the fourth time. So um, maybe the best one though. Yeah, Honestly, you said it was yeah, the best. This is- yeah, this is this is the best I've one of the best I've ever played. Uh, probably, yeah, the best I would say. This is the most enjoyable I've had. Which one was the worst? You can tell us. Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yep. So, yeah. Thanks everyone for uh, for um, running this campaign with us, and uh, it's like I don't think anyone missed an episode. So. Thanks for that. Yeah, that's right. So we had everybody here just every game. Um, although we had, yep. to, I think we had to jump off a couple. We even into it once every week. But yeah, it did a great job. Um, yep, and, and um, it's a lot of fun. And now we get to decide what to do next. Yes. So whatever we decide to do, I figure if we if it's a more continuation with me running a game and the four of you playing, it would be you'd either. You could choose to use these characters with whatever magic items that you've now acquired, or we'll start at basically level five because why go through level one again um, with new characters and equivalent yeah. amount of magic items or something. 
We'll figure it out. It's just the adventure that we start on whatever level is appropriate, in my opinion. And most adventures start at level one. It's like, no, you, you get, there's only so many times that you want to fight a rat that could kill you with a critical hit. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Level one. Um, <laughs> yep. So, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, thumbs up from all of us, I think. And uh, definitely recommend it. Um, published by uh, Mossy Brown Productions with um, yep. a forward from Volo. <laughs> Get a weekly broadcast. All right. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, for doing this last session in the podcast, and uh, we'll see we'll see you for the next adventure. See ya. Bye. That's the twenties, everybody. Bye. Yeah. And see. <laughs> and see.